Everyone, Cree everyone, please rise for uh, this Korai right now. Oh, I, I messed that up. I had I had a better intro in mind that was in theme for this episode. Hi everyone, uh, this this is Jaffa Takes the this the the Stargate Rewatch podcast where we're up to Korai the the episode um, season one episode fifteen uh, the first episode of nineteen ninety eight. We made it all the way through the second year of this show. Uh, and, uh, joining me today, <clears throat> I, I, I am your, uh, judge. I don't know why they call it in this show, but whatever. Uh, Simon, and joining me, we have, uh, the voice, I, I think voice is lawyers, uh, <laughs> M. Sure. Yeah, that, that's what they called them, I think. This is, this is a train wreck. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we also have Jimmy Dean on. Correct. Uh, and with this being 1998, we're, we're finally at StarCraft. <laughs> we're, we're, we are, yes, we are not contemporary with StarCraft, even like we're like early in the year. So I don't think StarCraft is out yet. I don't actually know when in 98 StarCraft came I, out. I can tell uh, you because I'm looking at it right now. March 31st. Oh, there we go. And this episode aired, let me check, January 23rd. So we're like two months away from the release of StarCraft as of this. Uh, that's going to be right around the end of the season because there's seven episodes left in season one. Um, also, I'm happy so to yeah. be accused. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I like, sorry, you, you're, you're on trial for war crimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking off mic about how uh people from your like uh people related to your job are gonna find this podcast at some point and get you in trouble and i just said that now i'm so sorry jimmy d didn't commit any war crimes i'm aware of uh, none of this can be used in court this is parody satire no it, it, uh, this it's is fine. all a joke all the war crimes i did uh it's when i was serving under an evil egyptian alien it's fine <laughs> I can't end no yeah it's fine Actually, yeah. As we'll see, that defense doesn't really work in this episode. Uh, but like a, b a better defense would be that you're American, and as is stated by General Hammond in this episode, the United States does not involve itself in the affairs of other places at all, ever. What? No, that doesn't happen. So you're good. Uh, <laughs> um, we have like a tiny bit of news before we start. Uh, like a few months ago, there was that uh, Stargate SG-1 AI script table read that was on uh, I'm sorry, I should have looked it up before I started saying this. Uh, it was on some kind of uh, paid streaming service um, that that went on. There, there were trailers for it on YouTube. Uh, so uh, that, that happened and they just announced that they're going to do another one with uh, 
sorry, with Stargate Atlantis, and they 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 had the Stargate Atlantis cast reunion. Uh, it's on the Companion. I don't know. It's it's some kind of app that you you have to like pay a membership to be to listen to it. I think it's a a paid podcast kind of kind of platform. Uh, I'm I'm not super aware of it. I'm sorry if I if I misspeak about this. Uh, yeah, I have no idea I, what the Companion is. But I do know that since starting this podcast, I have gotten so many YouTube ads for it. Oh yeah, they really want you to be on because apparently that's that's the current wagon that the Stargate uh, nostalgia is like hooked up to because they're doing these uh, these AI scripts for Stargate. Like I, like Brad Wright, like from the from the trailer to the Stargate Atlantis one, uh, Brad Wright seems really excited about the idea of having TV shows written by AI. It's hard to tell if he's into it as, like, a serious creative uh, outlet. Like, he, like, like it, it, it's hard to tell if, if Stargate does come back, if he would want an actual script of the show to be written by an AI just for fun, or if he just thinks it's, it's really funny and likes to see the Stargate cast and have these, these streams with them. Uh, so yeah, they're doing an Atlantis one. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of an asterisk on there. It's like three fifths of the Atlantis cast is on there because, uh, Jason Momoa is too busy and, uh, famous now to be on a Stargate throwback thing on the internet, I guess. Uh, uh, more power <laughs> If you were to wear, I deeply respect it. He is busy with Aquaman too. Yep, he's being Aquaman. He's busy with the the big budget Atlantis. Although, who knows with what Warner Brothers is doing right now? If that's going to ever come out, and the whole Amber Heard situation. Um, But you know, if the Flash is coming out, Aquaman two is coming out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like he's more bankable than. Ezra Miller at this point for sure, um, and yeah, and also I've Joe Flanagan is not on. I've got things in the back on. of my fridge that are more bankable than Ezra Miller at this point. <laughs> that's that's very fair. Um, yeah, and also Joe Flanagan is not on there. Uh, as uh, from what I know, he's a regular on General Hospital, uh, which I believe is uh, so is somewhere on the line between soap opera and a like primetime drama thing. I mean, uh, so he's the cast yeah. they got for the. For this Atlantis AI thing, it's basically would be like if you've took an ep- if the equivalent for the current where we are in SQ one would be yeah. if your script was like Walter Hammond and Doctor Frazier. Yeah, almost. Well, I mean, y- you got Beckett, uh, who's the doctor on Atlantis. Uh, they have McKay because you know David Hewlett is very much the guy who's up for it and who like Stargate was the thing that he got the most famous for because the other big thing is Cube which is older than Stargate um, <laughs> uh, so he's in there and he he's a lot of fun whenever he's on these streams uh, this guy this guy loves uh, Stargate and Stargate fans and just geeking out about this stuff uh, they have also Rachel Luttrell who played Taylor and uh, Tori Higginson who played Elizabeth Weir on Stargate Atlantis uh, that's the cast that they got for this reading right there. Uh, might be surprised guests that show up. Who knows? Because the, like, the SG-1 uh, one, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, I think, wasn't announced at first, and then he ended up showing up there. Um, but uh, there you go. If you're on, if you know what the companion is, and you you're 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 paying for that membership, you can you can listen to that, or you can check out uh, the trailer for this thing on uh, YouTube if you're just curious and want to know what that's about. Uh, but yeah, that's not it's not quite the Stargate revival everyone is hoping for, but they're doing something, then they're having fun, so I guess that counts for something. Um, 
So yeah, <laughs> here we are, episode 15, Korai. Uh, we open uh, directly on this planet, which is uh, called Cartago, we're going to learn, because Tilk immediately uh, recognizes this place. Uh, it, it looks uh, medieval, basically. This is this is medieval Europe planet that they're on. Uh, they, they, they come out of the Stargate into a little marketplace kind of uh, area. This particular Sorry. medieval marketplace next to a coniferous forest is is very memorable. <laughs> yeah, so it's clearly still in the Pacific Northwest, Northwest with the Rockies in the background. But you know, it's an alien planet, medieval Europe marketplace with a church that looks like a temple church, a courthouse kind of building that looks a little like it has sharp angles, so it looks a little bit alien, but it's still recognizable as like a castle kind of structure. Um, I, I know I said just four different kinds of building right there, but uh, could, just, just go with could it. Could you say uh, the name of this planet again? <laughs> it's Cartago, which, uh, yeah, one one of the things that is uh, mentioned uh, in the trivia for this episode is that's the Latin name for Carthage, which is, uh, uh, you know, it was another uh, empire in antiquity that, that Rome was very much at war against uh, the whole time, basically, that both of them existed. Uh, I think Rome eventually defeated them, and like that's that's where Hannibal was from, where he almost got up to Rome and then gave up on conquering Rome. Uh, but this a isn't like later than what we've been told. The people were taken by the Gewold from there. Like that would have been significantly after the rebellion, right? Yeah, that that's the thing. So this is all like a hodgepodge. I just <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. Sorry. Just, like the the name of that planet makes it. Think like this should have been the math episode. Cartago was just cartography. Uh-huh. The, they wasted that name. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. It, it, they went with Heliopolis instead in that one, uh, another ancient uh, city of the ancient world. Um, but yeah, so they they like they picked a Latin name because they decided that this place was going to have Greek and Latin language, which like they act like it's a weird thing. But if you know anything about language, it's like every European language is based on Greek and Latin. That's not weird, uh, especially, especially English. If it's, yeah. Yeah, English is that plus German, basically. Um, sorry. And, uh, yeah, so basically all of that is just to say this is, like, medieval Europe planet, and uh, the, the, all the other stuff is just, like, uh, set dressing that doesn't really matter much. Because, uh, yeah, this is a one-off planet. Uh, the, the the main thing that matters is uh, when they come out of the Stargate, uh, Teal... Like, the first second that they're on this planet, he's like, oh, wait, I know this place, I've been here before, uh, which he's the one that tells them the name of the planet. It's called, you know, uh, Cartago, as we said. Uh, and, like, the, the place is completely deserted. There's, there isn't a single person around, and they're, they think, wow, that's weird. Um, there's still, like, uh, fresh vegetables on the, on the stalls uh in the marketplace and like a burning fire in the back and someone is clearly cooking up a stew back there and they just disappeared from this place and left the the pot on the fire which is you know uh, i hope that's a slow cooking stew and it's not getting the, ruined. they're all harfoots or whatever from rings of power they just uh, immediately hide <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Haven't watched Rings of Power, but uh, uh, <laughs> they they do even they do all just hide as we're gonna learn. This is what happens. This isn't a, a rapture kind of situation where everyone disappeared all of a sudden because of alien interference or anything. Uh, they just went into their caves and hid because they thought the ghouls were coming. Um, 
So SG-1 walks into that big uh, castle church-style building that we mentioned before. They go in there, uh, it's that courtroom set, well, it's the same interior set they always use, but it's been dressed up with a couple benches and like clearly like a... Uh, an altar kind of thing at, at the top of some steps. Uh, this is like, you know, it, they, they wanted to make an alien medieval looking courtroom uh, set. And this is where uh, the meat of this episode takes place. Um, so there, they, they go in there and they, they walk around a little and they explore and some dudes with crossbows pop out from uh, the door frames and just point their crossbows at them. And, I really uh, like and these crossbows. They are like, oh, I like him. They're like, not like any kind of like, right. Any recognize like an Earth crossbow, but they are like nope. very clearly uh, a cr- crossbow, and it's, they, it's just like a nice. They little reminded touch. me of the weapons that the Lost Boys use in Hook. Yes, yes, yes. That, 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 yeah. exa- that is exactly what I thought as well. They're like slingshot crossbows. I, I think the ones in Hook, they're they're actually like just fancy slingshots. Uh, these have like crossbow bolts on them, so they would kill you. They're 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 not just throwing spitballs or anything. But uh, yeah, it's basically a, a slingshot crossbow that these guys have. It's just alien enough that it's not quite you know your medieval uh, crossbow thing. Uh, which yeah, you mentioned that all of this these people have stuff from way later in history than ancient Egypt, which is when all the humans were taken from Earth. Uh, I don't know what we're supposed to assume about this, because this is clearly like an Apophis planet, so uh, Apophis is the one that goes there and captures these people, so you would think they would be ancient Egyptian looking uh, as to go with his theme, uh, but nope, I guess th- this this culture managed to develop like in parallel to Earth European cultures and become uh, like visually and technically and culturally uh, equivalent to medieval I mean, Europe. Ma- plus maybe some, some no prize is that this was a Asgard planet that they at some yeah. point lost. That that's also yeah, that's also a possibility since like you know Norse culture is at least like on a shorter path to medieval Europe. Like w- once again, also this is all kind of baloney anyway because like we're never at least like back half. Here. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that, but also at least half of everything that European medieval culture was was dictated by Christianity, which should not exist on this planet, uh, unless we have a lot of discussions to have about aliens and Jesus. Which we're, let's keep that for well, season let's, nine. Let's keep an open um, mind. Maybe these people have found the power <laughs> and divinity of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they maybe maybe like the Messiah, the actual one, just went there and like uh, taught them the the word, the good word of the Bible, and these people converted. Uh, that's 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 reasonable, especially if they have like a rival evil Egyptian god that comes and fucks with them all the time. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, they 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 have a bit of a standoff against this. You want everyone pointing their guns and crossbows at each other uh, before uh, O'Neill manages to uh, release the tension. By pointing out, yeah, okay, they 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 they're telling each other you have weapons. Why should we trust you? And he says, I, I yeah, do, you too. Like uh, the start of this bit where da- where Jack's telling tells Daniel to, hey, can you speak to them in the la- language to tell them we're not hostile? <laughs> and the guy just responds in English. And the guy just like, yeah, answers. Daniel, we speak English. Why is Daniel even here at this point? <laughs> he we're has not, not been we're, useful we're, all season. Yeah, we're not even pretending that uh, people on other planets speak different languages at this point. It's just whatever. Don't worry about it. It's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. It's 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 dumb, but it's fun. You know, it's in service of, of the show. Um, 
Yeah, so after after like O'Neill uh, is the first one to lower his gun, everyone kind of like eases up a little bit, and they go okay. Uh, they walk around and check each other out. Uh, the this one guy Hanno, who's the the main, uh, our, I guess our main contact on this planet, the the main character of this episode, um, walks over and he sees he sees Tilk from the back, uh, holding his staff to his side, and uh, there's another guy that's directly in front of Tilk, looking at him from the front, and then Tilk turns around, and only then, when he sees his face, does Hano raise his crossbow again and say Jafar, uh, <laughs> which, you know, you would think anyone else in this room would have noticed this, but whatever. Uh, but everyone the, the, else was just gonna go with it, because, you know. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, this guy is some kind of, clearly some kind of, like, mob leader or whatever, so he has, like, uh, pulled with the rest I'm, of this gang. I'm a little confused, uh, like, like you couldn't change like one element like he besides the snake head he could not look more like a jaffa every uh-huh. time he enters a new environment uh-huh. <laughs> like he knows everyone hates him he takes really no effort uh-huh. to disguise it yeah no he's where he's wearing <laughs> like earth fatigues but you're right that he does like have his staff with him and, and it like, keeps they under- getting them they in understand trouble this on earth they make him wear uh-huh. that every time he leaves space on earth right you would think, just, like, you know, just hey... Give him Teal- a gun and a hat, and he's fine. Yeah, give him a hat, t- tell him to grow his hair or something. Maybe he's just very, very uh, dedicated to keeping his head shaven, because uh, uh, I don't, he I has... Don't, don't, don't think Jaffa can actually grow hair. Oh, he they can. He doesn't grow hair until later. Yeah, I mean, he does that. He has his soul patch phase also in a little bit. You, but, he, um, could, he could still use uh, the staff, because yeah. you could lie and say, oh, we just killed a Jaffa and took the staff. It, just put a hat right, on that guy. Yeah, but you know th- that that would be lying. And as we know from this episode, Tilk isn't is not uh, in the business of lying. Apparently, uh, except I guess when it's tactically uh, useful to do so. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the 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 main thing is. Yeah, okay. So Hano, uh, like, uh, not, not only recognizes that he's a Jafar, but, like, has a, a special grudge against Teal'c because he, he tells everyone at this point, uh, this guy killed my dad. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, tensions run high as we, uh, exit the, the cold open of this episode. Um, and Hano at this point is clearly just, uh, fixing to just, like, shoot his crossbow at Teal'c point blank and get it over with. Uh, get his uh, cold, cold revenge, um, <clears throat> and like okay. So we, when we get back from the cold open, uh, we have a little like back and forth where uh, Jack asks Teal, "Okay, what's he talking about? Do you know this guy?" And Teal says, "No, I don't know him." Uh, and Hanno says, "No, no, he's a liar." Uh, and then some other guy uh, talks to Hanno and says, "Hey, uh, you can't do this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you have. Hang on, listen. You have to like put him due, through due process. We're not, we're not uh, a revenge mob on this planet. We have a justice system, so uh, you have to properly arrest this guy uh, because, like, among other things, they also have a Magna Carta on this planet. Apparently, even though uh, <laughs> it's like, listen, we're in, we're." Actually- in the courtroom if you kill him in here that looks super fucking <laughs> that, bad that's a, yeah that's a that's a real bad look you know like if and we hano, found him in the woods baby but right uh-huh. here yeah uh and hano tries to like play it off and like tries tries to wriggle out of it on a technicality by saying he's not bursa which is i guess the name of these people so uh the laws don't apply to him 
and like this other guy goes, no, 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 if we do this, we're we're the bad guys, we're the ghoul, so uh, don't do this, we have to like, we have to respect our principles when it counts the most, and arrest this guy and put him on trial, actually. So, uh, Hanno goes, okay, fine, let's do that. Um, and they say, yeah, <clears throat> they say, Korai will sustain my belief, which is, you know, where the, the, the title of this episode comes from, it's, it's the award for a trial, basically. Um, uh yeah and and that's it then they uh they say yeah Hanno says okay let's take him to the elders and they they they'll pass judgment or whatever uh so they walk back outside uh and there's a bunch of other people that show up uh <laughs> there's a, <clears throat> there's a little bit where Daniel says hey maybe maybe everyone's coming back from a religious event and Jack kind of calls him out on this and says why do you even say that why why like what what about these people tells you that that's what they did it could be anything they they left their food on, literally on the stove like <laughs> they would whatever uh he just says yeah they're just they might just be coming back from a swap meet um Dan- so Daniel is yeah. like just such the Tumblr meme archaeologist in this uh-huh. season. It's like, aha, yeah, yeah, yeah. This must be religious. No, this was a some this was someone's sex toy or whatever. You know, uh, people had lives other than religion in ancient times. Daniel, um, I mean, not that much more in this show, but no, just yeah, often that- enough that he's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, considering the gods regularly come through the Stargate and kidnap and kill them, that's 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 a pretty central part of their lives, I guess. Uh, but then Hanno explains that uh, when they saw that the Stargate was uh, activating, everyone scattered and they went to hide, and now they're all coming back from this. So that's what's going on here. Uh, and he says also that like yeah they they're used to the gold coming over and fucking with them and it's been long enough that everyone thinks they're about due to come back now and that's why everyone is a little bit more on edge uh, than they would be otherwise. Uh, and Hanno says like yeah he he mentions the Stargate and calls it the Circacona and Daniel says Circ is a Greek root and Cacona is Latin and it means the circle of woes and wow isn't that weird how they have both Greek and Latin in their languages in their language which. Yeah, Daniel, uh, who's a guy uh, who. Uh, pres- da- Sorry, Daniel, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna correct them. You're you're gonna, <laughs> just gonna let that go. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Stargate. At, at least say Stargate in Greek Latin. Come on, uh, I don't know what that would be, but there you go. Uh, also, yeah, Daniel, presumably as an academic, a guy who's familiar with resumes and syllabuses, uh, you know, words from different root languages, right there. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, Hanno goes over to talk to this lady and this group of people uh, who are presumably the elders. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, uh, the so the, the, the SG-1, my sense, Teal, goes over to talk to them, uh, and the elders say, all right, you can go through the Stargate back home. And Daniel is like, tries to go, wait, no, what? We just got here. And Jack says, no, Daniel, she said, we can go home. Let's go home now. <laughs> and of course, uh, they don't mean Teal'c, because Teal'c is still in trouble. Because um, they still have to do that Korai. Uh, and uh, Jack tries to put his foot down and say, no, that's not going to happen. Because, you know, we just came here. You can't just arrest our man. Uh, but that doesn't really... Uh, hold sway on these people um and hano then uh goes back up to tilk and asks him again if, if he doesn't if he is, remembers him tilk says he still doesn't and then hano says what about this and he holds up a crutch 
that he has on him. And then, like, uh, we see a flashback because, uh, Teal apparently now remembers this place and this, this guy went from back when he was a kid, uh, cause that, that crutch belonged to his dad. And we get a little flashback where Apophis is there. Uh, they actually got him to show up in the, in this episode for just for the flashback scenes, uh, which is pretty cool, right? Cause like this, that's the big bad of the season. He's not, actually physically in this episode but i mean he does still show up gun to my Uh, head i could not tell you the name of that actor i think he was free (laughs) yeah (laughs) yo right yeah that's not (laughs) peter williams is the name of this actor uh he's not famous i think the most famous role he has besides stargate is in the chronicles of riddick where he plays like one of the four uh, prisoners that escape with Riddick from the prison, and that's it, you know. So, no, clearly he's not hes not a Jason Momoa kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, he was available, and that, that's, you know, that's, he, they, they, they do, like, use Apophis pretty sparingly on this show, which is, like, wh- what I was trying to get at. He's only Yeah, present he's in, not in this season a lot. No, he's in four episodes total, and this is the third one. Uh, in this season, uh, I w- so I will say I remember him a lot more than Daniel's wife. So big props to him. <laughs> <laughs> he does appear in four, where she only appears in one episode this season. So you're correct about that. Uh, <laughs> she does get mentioned in this episode, which I teased you a little bit about uh, when I was watching it. Um, sorry about that. Um, so yeah, in the flashback, Apophis uh, tells Teal to kill one of them, and uh, you see this old man who's uh, holding himself, standing uh, with this crutch, uh, is just staring at him and like uh, pleading look in his eyes, and Teal just shoots him dead, and then a the little kid uh, manages to run out of the crowd that's being restrained by the other Jaffa and walks up to this old man crying and he says father and there's a close-up on his face and i'm sorry little kid uh the angry face acting you were trying to do doesn't really work there (laughs) i just think he looks a little dopey um but there you go uh teal remembers this guy who is this kid obviously uh and now he's like uh jack can see what's going on here he tries to get teal to say hey don't answer anything right now you're just gonna get in trouble plead the fifth for for the love of God, uh, Miranda writes and everything. Uh, but Tilk is like, no, wait, I have to say something. Cause, uh, yeah, he does remember him now. And j- just from his eyes, uh, Hano looks at him and says, yeah, yeah, he remembers and he feels guilty about it. That's the guy for sure. So they, they, they ask, uh, the other guards to, uh, take him into custody. Uh, and Jack is about ready to start, uh, at least shooting them like as a show of force to get them to stop this at this point, but Daniel is the one who stops him from doing that. Um, so this is a, I think this is a good spot to bring it up. I figured mm-hmm. out why Daniel is consistently ro- wrong every time there's a moral dilemma. Why this season? Why? Okay, because th- this is definitely one of those episodes that could have been like a Star Trek spec script that got rewritten mm-hmm. at some point. Oh, it's very to, Star Trek ish. Star- yeah. Yeah. Because that, and it's like, those are also most of the episodes where Daniel just goes off wrong, and I think that's part of it is, is because you're going, if you're going for the Spock Bones Kirk dynamic, uh-huh. you don't really have any other option but Daniel. Yeah, Kirk's that's not right. not going to argue, he's all stoic on that. Carter uh-huh. is too mar- is too tied into American military stuff, and it's not uh-huh. going to question her, her, her superior officer in the field. Yep. So yep. it's only ever going to be Daniel, and yep. if you... 
and and so if someone's questioning him, and often more often than not in this so far, it's been Jack's been in the right, so mm-hmm. you end up just with yeah with Daniel just being an asshole all the time. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> in this case, you know, it's it's hard. This is this is like a, a more morally complex episode uh, than than would appear at first glance, maybe because because Jack is. You I, you can see the, the 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 point of view of both Jack and Daniel in this episode, where Jack is absolutely correct on the money that this is not going to be a fair trial, and that uh, it's foolish of them to expect the system to uh, to work in their favor and uh, treat Tilk uh, this impartially. You are right on the money um, that this is just a Star Trek <laughs> episode, though. You could sub out Tilk with Worf or Seven of Nine. Yeah. Uh, very easily. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And have, you know, uh, O'Neill as the captain, as the Picard, or as the Kirk, and, you know, Daniel as the Bones, and whatever. That that all works. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, they, so they, they go over to the, the, the cell, which is, I, I think it's exactly the same set as where the, the Heliopolis, uh, hologram room was with the stairs coming out of it but there's a big like is it wooden cage in the middle there's like a cage that they stick tilk into uh no it, it is metal bars but um yeah uh so yeah hano like uh, after they lock him in there hano says he's guilty he must pay for what he's done and like t- uh, only says yeah okay great you clearly already think that he's guilty that's awesome that's good for us um <laughs> Um, so then all the, the people from this planet leave the room, and, and uh, Jack immediately goes, okay, as soon as they come back, we take one of them hostage, we force them to open the cell, and we, then we go back to the Stargate. Uh, <laughs> and, and Daniel's like, wait, no, we can't do that. Um, so, because he's doing the thing, even though at this point, like, yeah, uh, O'Neill is probably right about this, uh, but then Teal'c is the one who says, uh, no, don't do that, because I'm not going to go if you do that. Uh, uh, so yeah, this is where Teal pulls his big, like, his wharf moment is, is very much, uh, the case here, because Teal is like, uh, yeah, we should actually do what they ask us to do, because Teal says he is guilty, and he needs to, like, face consequences for his actions, uh, and Daniel's like, basically tries to go, okay, don't worry about it, like, a cry is just, uh, some kind of trial, and we t- we just have to go through the through the process, and like as the good guys, of course, the truth will prevail, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fine. We can leave, and ev- and everyone's gonna be happy about it. Um, and uh, sorry, just give me a second. Ah, oh, whatever. Um, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and O'Neill is like, yeah, we don't know, like, you're making a lot of assumptions about, about these people's uh, justice system, because uh, he says, like, a simple trial might be a simple beheading, as far as we know. Uh, but Teal'c is like, yeah, no, I, I'm not gonna go, he doesn't want to hear any of it. Um, so we got over to the next scene, in which uh, a lady and two other ladies who don't talk come, come into the, the, the cell room, and uh, she kneels in front of the cage, and she says uh, she's going to be uh, she's going to be Tilk's voice, and she's come over to hear his confession, basically. Uh, you know, she calls it a peccavee. Um, 
Not and, not a great defense attorney provided no, by the court. Right. What, what with her automatically believing that Felix is guilty? Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is what like O'Neill tries to, to, to get across at this point. He's like, hey, uh, have you ever heard of innocent until proven guilty? And, you know, believing your client and actually defending him. And this lady's like... No, I don't understand, actually, because, like, if he weren't guilty, there wouldn't be a Karai. Uh, yeah, their, their whole system is essentially uh, the mob or uh, whatever the people decide that a person is guilty, and then they go through this process to to establish uh, the, the, exact, the exact circumstances and then decide on the punishment. So it's basically the whole trial is just a sentencing uh, hearing because uh, like the, the part where he is gu- he's guilty has already been decided. And only is like, ah, I'm not cool with this. Uh, and he asks if he can just like be the be Teal's voice instead of this lady. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> and the lady says, all right, if you say so, it's fine. I'll, I'll tell everyone. Um, and then, like, everyone is, like, asks, like, right after these people leave, uh, Daniel's like, hey, are you sure it should be you who's his lawyer? Uh, and, like, and then, and then Carter is like, yeah, you know, may, that feels more like a Daniel joke, uh, the Daniel job to be, uh, this guy's lawyer. That's, that's, that's more in his wheelhouse, right? The, you, you and want I'm the like, humanities no. guy? Have you I, watched the rest of the season? <laughs> I, I, I was very angry at this. Uh, if uh-huh. I was in a similar situation, I'm picking O'Neill. <laughs> at least, at least O'Neill is like, uh, it seems, uh, invested in uh in getting Teal'c out of there you know he he seems to be the one who is most on his side and like Teal'c like can... C- Carter Carter he mm-hmm. was oh he was willing to sell you into the sexual slavery <laughs> to maintain <laughs> relations with the culture very good point um uh yeah O'Neill's like all right so you're right that maybe I'm not the guy who has the best handle on diplomacy and uh, convincing people through debate. So how about we just all team up together and be his uh, defense team by, by working together? And they go with it. So that's what they do. Um, uh, at, at this point, the episode becomes A Few Good Men. It yeah, basically. Track. It is now officially a good, uh, a few good men situation. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. That's a, that's exactly what it is. Uh, they the the Korai starts at in the next scene, uh, and then like we have uh, the 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 lady elder that we saw before walks in uh, at the top of the steps where the the judge's bench would be, uh, and she's carrying a, a staff with like the top of it is like a ki- kind of fort but short, and it just makes me think of Aquaman's trident, but it's been like chopped off at the top. That's what it looks like to me, um, and uh, so no, they. We, we, we talked. We talked about this already, Simone. Aqu- Aquaman's not around till Atlantis, <laughs> right? Uh, the, yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah. The, so the, the the process starts with Hano going over to Teal'c and kneeling in front of him and apologizing, apologizing to Teal'c. Uh, basically, he he said he says he's sorry for uh, being angry at him and pointing his crossbow and threatening to kill him when he they first met, uh, and that's not something that's actually allowed in their laws. And you know he he asks for Teal's forgiveness about this. Uh, Teal says, "Yeah, okay, I forgive you for that. It's fine." Um, 
So, yeah, they think, hey, so hey, it's not doing too bad. Like, we're starting with, uh, with essentially the prosecutor in this case, uh, apologizing to the, to the, 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 the accused. Um, so maybe we have a shot at winning this. And then Hano walks over to the elder lady and she hands that staff over to him. Uh, and he says, all right, now we can get started. I will lead the Karai. And like O'Neill immediately goes, objection. And no one knows what that means, obviously, because they haven't seen a bunch of Earth uh, courtroom dramas. Uh, <laughs> he starts to explain what did, that did, means. Did somebody just drop, just drop them a idea, drop, drop them a get. Craft them a copy of Ace Attorney through the gate. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, play this. This is how laws work. Oh no! Oh god! What have we done? This is not how laws work. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, O'Neill tries to explain what an objection is, and he's like, "Ah, that doesn't matter." But uh, you can't be the judge because obviously, like, you're not impartial in this case. You're the you're the son of the victim, and like they they like. They, they retort that from their culture or their point of view, uh, the, the, the person who was wronged is the only person who can deliver judgment, uh, in a case like this. Uh, and like Jack says, that's bullshit because there has to be an impartial judge who can be, um, objective. Yeah, yeah, who can be objective and, like, do the most fair thing possible. And uh, they go, no, we don't really do that here. And uh, Daniel tries... I mean, they're also like, that's... What? How can you not have an opinion? Yeah, Everyone has an opinion. They're, they're, they're very, like, easygoing about this. Like, we don't, we don't have your weird Earth laws. We just, like, go with what makes sense to us. And everyone has an opinion. Everyone already thinks that this guy t- killed my dad or whatever. Like, there's, there's no one who walks in here and has no opinion for it. Which is, you know, uh, how you get juries on Earth that are the least qualified people possible because the only per- people who can be juries are people who have never heard anything about anything and have no opinions about anything and that's how you get great judgments like uh, any other million examples of things that have gone ex- extremely the wrong way in courtrooms on earth um <clears throat> Uh, they say, so they try to, uh, the earth people try to say, hey, maybe this elder lady should be the judge, and then, like, we can both argue at her from opposite sides and do it like we do back home and whatever, and the, the elder says, no, yeah, the, only the, per- the person who has suffered understands the pain and can, uh, deal out, uh, judgment, so, uh, that's the way it's gonna work, and, yeah, uh, Daniel says, oh, this is a little Talmudic, Actually, it's a lot like older, <laughs> older systems of justice on Earth. And Jack just shuts him up and says, "No, well, you can it. Uh, you're not helping." Um, so uh, Hano goes up to Teal'c and says, "You remember me?" Teal'c says, "Yep." And Hano asks, "Are you the one who killed my father?" And uh, O'Neill tries to tell Teal'c, "Don't answer that," but. Even if this was an Earth courtroom, uh, I think a direct question like, are you guilty or not, is not outside of the bounds of a question that can be answered by the accused. Um, but Teal says yes. Um, he basically confesses to the crime right there in court, and everyone like gasps and is shocked, and O'Neill just stares at him, like hurt and confused. And at this point, you, you go like, okay, so we've seen the flashback, and we know that that is true, in fact. Um, <laughs> and like, it's, it's just, you, you didn't ask him about this before you walked into this room? Like, didn't try to get his version of the, of the story before 
the core I started. Uh, that seems like 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 seems as like, like that's on you, O'Neill, if you didn't even ask him about this and are surprised by this now. Uh, I mean, if they doesn't do that, there's no episode, right? Because we have to be like we have to receive the exposition where Teal explains what happened once again. Uh, we we've seen it like in flashback, but. Uh, yeah, he says to Teal'c, basically, um, he, he, he tells O'Neill what we already saw, basically, that Apophis ordered uh, Teal'c to, to shoot someone, and he did, and it just happened to be Hano's father, uh, and that's what happened, and therefore he is guilty, and he does feel bad about it, and that's why he's going along with all of this. Um, yeah, and uh, O'Neill tries to, to uh, convince Teal'c that you know, there there's mitigating circumstances. Uh, Apophis did tell you to do that, so you can't be uh, blamed for your actions when you were just following orders. Which, once again, uh, O'Neill is not a legal scholar, but maybe the just following orders defense is not the thing, the well you want to go to right now. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it it, uh, it is it is the argument presented in uh, a few good men. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, that works when it's, you know, us the good guys and not when it's we're prosecuting Nazis. Um, not, not that I'm trying to draw an equivalent and say that we should have been easier on the Nazis or whatever, or, you oh, know. Oh, no. in, uh, in, in A Few Good Men, uh, the, the cadets or the trainees that follow the Code Red uh, get dis- dishonorably discharged. It does not work yeah. for them. Okay, yeah, great. And it like it, it also doesn't work for Tilk in this episode. Uh it does follow that uh that mold, I guess. Um So yeah, uh O'Neill uh Tilk uh, keeps retorting that, you know, uh it doesn't really matter that I was following orders and that that I had no real choice in the matter. I still had to look into this kid's eyes as I murdered his dad, and I'm the one who pulled the trigger, and I could have shot anyone else, but I shot him. So, you know. It's bad, and O'Neill tries to go. Yeah, yeah, but you know, as soldiers, we don't, we can't be responsible for all of that. Whatever. Uh, basically, O'Neill uh, maybe saying a little bit inside the lines, he might have committed some slight war crimes himself in the past, but it's all cool because he was being ordered I, to I do mean, so. Like that time he was going to nuke Abydos. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking of, right? Uh, there's also like that lovely time Daniel like shot uh, a tank full of gold babies, which you know uh, that's that's a whole other chapter of law that we we'd have to debate about whether gold uh, deserved personhood or whatever. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so this is just like a, a basically a moral back and forth with, where Teal'c will not budge on him being in the wrong and deserving to uh, suffer the punishment for his actions. Um, so after this, uh, basically a bell rings and then everyone walks back in because recess is over. Um, and Daniel says, okay, so what ha- what just happened, uh, if I know anything about how... how courts usually work, even though this is an alien one. Uh, Teal'c just confessed to a crime, so now uh, we just have to uh, to figure out the sentencing part and try to convince them not to kill him for what he did, even though we're, we've now admitted that he did do it. Um, so, uh, this is what's going on now. Yeah, okay, so this is where they try- they start to uh, basically, uh, do uh, turn it into a character trial for Tilk, right? So uh, 
uh, O'Neill interviews Daniel and uh, and uh, have has Daniel uh, testify on Tilk's moral character, uh, and he retells how Tilk uh, kidnapped uh, Daniel's wife. You know. Uh, <laughs> this is the worst character testimony. Uh-huh. What yeah. is he doing? It's not, it's not great, right? Because like the 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 whole play is, please tell this court how Tilk uh, had your wife taken by a ghoul and how uh, it's completely wrecked her life and yours in the process. And he does that. Uh, and uh, and Daniel says. Uh, Teal picked her out at random out of a room and like he didn't, he didn't, I didn't know him back then. And you know, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, uh, the by random chance that she was my wife that, that became a, a ghoul. Um, this is not good information to give these people about Teal. No, it's not good that he's just gonna randomly like, pick someone to die. And like also, we t- sorry. Take. Testify about like any of the fourteen episodes in between, right? Like any of the times he actually did good stuff. Uh, I, I, I can't off the top of my head think of a specific action that Tilk did. Like he gave over but his ghoul to save his son that one time, right? That's right. Um, if, you, if you tried to go down, like, uh, well, there, there's some uh, crystal person who impersonated Jack. Nope, nope. Tilk's not really involved <laughs> in that. Uh, no, he the, didn't do much except being there at the, uh, at these, in the, these times. The, the fish guy wiped our memory. Tilk can't really use that as, a, as uh-huh. a, no. an example. Yeah, he, he hasn't been um, very active I mean, in the Thor's, plot so far. Uh, I mean, there's Thor's hammer. Yeah, well, yeah, they... they that involves a ex- lot more explaining to them, though. Yeah, also, what happened in Thor's hammer is he was picked by the machine to be killed, and then they broke the machine that was, like, fighting the ghoul to, to save him, So, which I don't think is going to endear them to these people who hate the ghoul either. Uh, <laughs> um, but, like, uh, also, like, the story that Daniel is telling, he's telling it wrong, basically, because from what we saw in the pilot, what Tilk was doing is... He was trying to minimize harm by the by the way he was picking the people. Like he, you could tell from his face that he was already morally conflicted about what he was doing, and that he was tr- kind of trying to save the many by sacrificing the few. And like he was doing a little bit of a Schindler's List, trying to like uh, save people from within the system while he couldn't like overtly fight the system itself. So you would think like they might try to like go through that angle to convince these people that Tilk is good. But he doesn't even mention that because what he does is after they're after he's done telling his story that Sharae was turned into Gould, and it says, yeah, but now it's fine though, because we're friends and I've forgiven him. And if, if I've forgiven him and we're friends, you can forgive him too. And it's just no, that's that's a bad defense. The, the, he's basically saying Show, show people of this court, show that you're as uh, magnanimous as I, this guy you've never met, am, and, like, forgive my friend for killing this guy, please. So, that, that's bad. That's a, that, that, that's a bad testimony that doesn't help them. Um, and, like, Daniel says a little bit that at first he hated Teal'c, and now he doesn't hate him anymore, so, yay. Um... Uh, next, uh, someone talks to Teal. Yeah, uh, Sam talks to Teal, and um, uh, he asks. Uh, she asks Teal once again to retell the story of when he killed Hano's dad, um, and uh, she tries to get him to say that if he hadn't done that, uh, Apophis would have killed everyone in the room and, and also Teal, and. Um, <clears throat> 
no, wait, no, that's not that's not what she's asking. Sorry, uh, she's asking him about uh, at the end of the pilot when he turned his weapon against uh, the other guards and he chose to join Earth and he shot them. Uh, and he he tells them what happened and sh- and she asks him, so you have a family on you? Like, are you ever going to see them again? He says, probably not. Uh, so that's trying trying. Just so she's trying to argue that you know. Teal cleft his whole life behind to help them, so that's that that shows that he's changed and that he's fighting the good fight now, and he shouldn't be punished for what he did uh, back when he was participating in that system. Uh, which also, you know, it's it's not a super solid argument, but it's it's at least more logically sound, I guess. I wonder. Um, I wonder if they could have presented an argument of Teal, how many Jaffa and Gould have you tried to kill, or have you uh, killed? Uh-huh. So just give us a number. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, especially since he's the only one on SG, in SG-1 who has actually killed a d- full host. Uh-huh, yeah. As opposed to just Jaffa. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, like, uh, Daniel take a little walk out of the courtroom. Uh, he goes back to the marketplace and uh, goes to talk to the lady who wanted to be the, the voice of Teal'c earlier. And he talks to her, and he, he says a super condescending bullshit right there. Uh, he says, you have a very lovely existence, which is, you know, uh, <laughs> very American for, hey, I really think it's really cute how you live in huts and stuff. Um, uh, and she worst. like, this lady is like, okay, thank you. He's uh, the worst anthropologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he really doesn't go on, g- go to their level to talk to them. He's very much like, "Hey, so as as a better person than you, I want to say, good job, well done." Uh, <laughs> he he was really but, uh, he was really born in the wrong decade. He would have been fantastic oh, yeah. in the nineteen twenties. Oh yeah, absolutely. As you you just uh, picture him with a pith hat, like uh, like in the uh, at some British colony. Uh, taking notes on the natives and everything, uh, being driven around by, uh, natives, uh, that's, that, that's just the, the, the kind of guy he is, at least in season one. Um, so he tries to get, uh, exposition out of her by asking, so where do you live? Uh, she says, no, we live here. And, he, but then he says, no, no, where do you sleep at night and stuff? And she, she says, the hiding. Uh, so that's caves that are like all around this place that they go and hide in when whenever they get attacked, and that's that's also where they sleep. Uh, which is, uh, I guess, it, it's been mentioned earlier in the in the episode that they go and hide whenever the Stargate activates. But she explains more of it right now, and Daniel tries to like uh, find a uh, find a little wedge for his child using this information by saying. So whenever you run, the gold catch the slowest among you, right? Uh, and she says, "No, no, no. Uh, they wouldn't do that. We wouldn't. We wouldn't leave anyone behind ever." Which you know, uh, okay, if you say so, lady. We don't have any proof to the contrary, but also seems kind of unlikely that no one would ever just run ahead of the group and try to hide whenever their life is being threatened. But you know, whatever. Okay, uh, take take it as given that these people would never leave a slow per- person behind. And whenever, uh, say, a person with one leg who needs a crush to walk is there, uh, everyone just gets caught because they, they have to stay behind and help this person escape. Uh, which is, you know... I, I mean, there are definitely less people in the fla- in the flashbacks mm-hmm. than there are in the village uh, as a whole, if we see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so presumably some people have a, a have 
actually managed to go and hide. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Daniel thinks that this might be a key that uh, helps them in the Korai. Um, so he runs back up to Teal'c, uh, saying, hey, uh, I think I have something. Teal'c, tell me again what happened. And uh, Teal'c starts telling the story again. And Daniel says, wait, there's more to it. Uh, he wants, like, he asks Teal'c why he chose Hano's father specifically. Uh, and Teal'c starts telling the story again. We see the flashback again. And there's a, a very slight difference this time. Uh, first of all, there's a shot of Apophis who also says, if you hesitate, I will kill them all, which I don't think we've seen before. Uh, I'm not even sure it's been mentioned, but uh, I think it was pretty safe to assume that. Um, uh, and then, like, we get, like, a, a longer shot of uh, of the dad staring at Teal'c, and he has, like, his hand outreached towards him. And uh, the, the implication is that with the context that we now have, this guy might have been asking Tilk to pick him to shoot uh, because he knew he was the slowest of them and it would help everyone else, including his son, to escape if, if he died. So that's like, it's, it's, not, it's not explicit, but it might be what Tilk interpreted in the look of this guy uh, before shooting I him. Mean, that, is def- that is definitely what that guy was going for. Yeah, that's, that's what the scene is meant to convey, even though no one actually explicitly explains it that way um but yeah so uh the 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 rest of the scene plays out the same again with the little the the little kid coming up and crying uh and like daniel says aha we have it we have we have we have our defense now uh tilk picked hano's dad to save everyone else he was doing an act of mercy even though it was horrible he was doing the least horrible thing he had the option to do at this and this moment and we're going to convince everyone that it's a good thing that uh tilk had to shoot this guy uh, to save everyone else and jack is just like basically has given up on arguing anything at this point he's like these people Jack's like yeah good luck with that i'm gonna go get some guys with guns <laughs> yes he's like don't you you might need to understand right now what appar- apparently i'm the only one who has figured out is that these people don't have a fair and balanced system of justice. They just want to kill Tilk and that's what they're going to do. It doesn't matter what we say. Uh, let's just go back to Earth, get some people with guns and show back up and scare these people and get them to free Tilk. Uh, which, you know, once again, Tilk is not even willing to go to go uh, to go along with but then then O'Neill says Tilk if I have to we're going to knock you out and drag you to the stargate goddammit and that's the end of that discussion uh so uh Jack just it's admittedly what, trying to watch Richard Dean Anderson dra- drag Christopher Judge would be pretty funny <laughs> it would be it would have to be the three of them dragging him while like two entire SG teams are just covering them around them with guns it would be quite a uh a scene, especially with that narrow staircase that they have to climb out of out of to get out of this room. Um, so yeah, O'Neill angrily storms off, being followed by Carter, and they get back to Earth, uh, and we get like uh, first sightings of Earth and General Hammond in this episode. Uh, and like the first thing they do is Jack walks out of the Stargate. Uh, like uh, Hammond asks, "So where's Tilk and Daniel?" And he and O'Neill says, "I'll explain, but." Please uh, get ready to mobilize a full assault team right now. And Hammond just turns to someone and says, do it. Which I guess he's, like, trusting enough on, on, on Jack's judgment to trust that that's necessary, even though he doesn't know anything about the situation. But he does that. I guess uh, to have them on standby isn't costing them much. And as far as he knows, time is of the essence, which, you know, it actually is, but whatever. Uh, so they go off and uh, to explain to Hammond the situation. Uh 
so yeah, we're back at the Korai, and now Daniel is explaining the situation about uh, how everyone here is alive because he shot Hano's dad. Which, eh, that's, that's real thin, but, you know, it's very much, if this was an Earth Court, someone would object, then say that this is speculation, but whatever. Um, and, like, Hano is not convinced by this argument, once again, he's like, uh, but, yeah, like, you're saying that he purposefully uh, and coldly chose to kill the most helpless and weakest of us, that doesn't, like, speak much of his character to me. Uh and like Daniel says, yeah, but like you're, you're by 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 killing him, he was uh, c- coldly pragmatically uh, improving the rest of you's uh, survival odds because now you can run away faster. Uh, uh, and like he'll give some more testimony that goes in that direction as well. Uh, this is all like. Uh, yeah, they, they, a lot of words to just say this over and over and uh, really hammer that point home and say that he had, he had just one leg, he would have been slow, it would have been hard for everyone to escape with him. Um, Daniel specifically actually points to the entire crowd and say, you might all be dead if it wasn't for Teal, you owe him your lives. Uh, and Hanno uh, is the one who and essentially objects by saying, I don't see what this argument has to do with anything where, uh, where he's on trial for killing my father, not for uh, not killing everyone else. Um, and Daniel tries to once again appeal to, uh, by uh, referring to Teal's character and saying, if, if you kill Teal, uh, we're all going to be in more trouble against the Gould because he's like a good ally with us against the, the Gould. And like, this is a long war. We have to take a long view on. And, uh, you know, he needs to be part of it. Um, and Hano then, like, provides this closing argument, basically. Um, uh, hang on. Yeah, so uh, Hano... No, it's not his closing argument yet. He says, so you've told us a bunch of examples where you've told us of the time that Tilk uh, fired on the other Jaffa to join you, so the question I have is how come he didn't do that when he was here? Which, you know, seems fair, even though a bunch of circumstances were different, you know. Uh, but Daniel uh, explains this and says, yeah, if he'd done that, they would have just killed him and then come back and killed everyone, probably. And Hano says, well, how come they haven't done that to you? And Daniel says, well, they did try, uh, and we, we've defended ourselves so far, but, and we have better guns than you, I guess, so we're more equipped to defend ourselves against the gold, which, you know, once again, that, that little bit of that condescension right there. Um, also, Daniel, uh, you should wait a few more episodes before you say that the gold have tried and failed to invade Earth. I'm just saying... Um, <clears throat> uh, and he like, yeah, he once again, like, so Daniel goes back to try to argue to the whole room, uh, that he, they wouldn't be there without Tilk. And like, the elder lady says, You're you shouldn't be talking to us, Hano is the one who gets to decide, you should be talking to him, he's the one you have to convince. Um, even though like everyone else in the room might be convinced, if Hano isn't, it doesn't count for anything. Uh, and Hano tur- turns to him and says, basically com- compliments him on his argument and says, you know, I, I see the wisdom in what you're saying. Um, but like, yeah, he, the, this is, 
this is where Hano does his Ace Attorney uh, turn back, <laughs> uh, take that, I guess, where he says, okay, I just have one question for you. Uh, c- could anything Teal does and the father bring my father back to life and negate the harm he's caused in the past? Dale says, nope, that's not possible. Uh, and Hano says that, well, that's all I need to hear then. You're guilty. We're going to ex- execute you. Uh, that's it. End of Karai. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Did not go well you know, for I, them. I want to be respectful towards uh, this alien planet, mm-hmm. but uh, a legal system in which if you're wrong, you get to be the judge uh-huh. and, and dole out uh, the punishment. Ah, yeah. That might be too powerful right? in terms of... Uh, the rights of the victim. Yeah, I, I I believe, like, I'm not a historian, but the Magna Carta, isn't that a document that specifically stopped that from happening when it was written? Like, the whole point of that was to establish a fair court system where, you know, the accused could, could, be, could get a fair trial and, you know, have an impartial judge uh, deciding instead of uh, the eye for an eye stuff that was common uh, practice in human civilizations, uh, at least up to that point, and which still is today in some ways, you know. But uh, I mean, we had magistrates for a very long time. Yeah, there's that. Uh, yeah, impartiality has never been perfect. And I, anyway, I'm nowhere near a legal historian, so uh, what I have to say about this subject is could be extremely wrong. Uh, I apologize if, uh, if any lawyers or you know historians are listening. Um, so yeah, uh, we're back on Earth now, uh, and like yeah, we we've skipped over the part where uh, O'Neill and Sam explained. Uh, the whole situation to Hammond, and Hammond is like, uh, is having trouble wrapping his head around this whole story, because he's like, wait, so you asked me to arm up a couple SG teams to go back there and free Tilk, and I don't even understand, are, are these people, like, hostile or friendly or whatever? Uh, and they try to say, uh, well, you know, they're not exactly the enemy, but they did capture Tilk, so that's a hostile act, and we have to do something to save our man. And Hammond is like, not super convinced. He's like, yeah, but the rest of you ha- have <clears throat> have been treated pretty well by these people. They sound like they're kind of reasonable people trying to enforce their own laws. And, uh... uh what? And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, only Je- says... Would- sorry. Would General Hammond have let Sam be sold into slavery? <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering that, right? Because, <laughs> like, uh, he's going to, like, uh, in a couple of sentences, Hammond is going to say, well, you know, Tilk wasn't born on Earth. He's not a U.S. citizen or even an Earth citizen, so we don't actually have a legal obligation to save him or anything. And, like, he, so uh, Jack tries to explain that, you know, we're not going to shoot anyone over there. We're going to shoot our guns into the air and try to scare them into giving Tilk away. And, you know, yish. We know how these things tend tend to end up when you're purposefully escalating something to scare someone. That doesn't, that's not situations that tend to stay under control. But uh, you know, uh, then uh, General George Hammond says the most buckwild fucking lie I've ever heard in my <laughs> oh life. My God, <laughs> it's unbelievable. He says, "Colonel, the United States is not in the business of interfering in other people's affairs." And then. <laughs> And then Jack and Sam just, like, give each other a side-eye. It's it's really pretty hilarious, because, like, O'Neill doesn't buy it. He says, like, since when? What are you talking about? 
And like Hammond says, since this administration was elected, okay, I guess since the Clinton years, Clinton doesn't want to play world police anymore. How to be back? Okay, um, I, I at this line, I paused the episode. I went to Wikipedia and looked up all of the military operations from 1990 to 1998, uh-huh. when Cl- as of, from when Clinton was elected to when this uh-huh. episode aired. So, uh, there are at least 22 oh, operations great. that. Qualify that meet all the criteria described. That's even more than I thought. Yeah, that that was around when like Bosnia was happening and Kosovo and whatever, right? If I'm if I'm remembering my nineties history right, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's towards this. You also have Kuwait in there and a whole lot of stuff going on around around, Iran. Even if you don't count like the Gulf War because that was like a George H W Bush thing. Uh, that's the yeah. That's not a good record uh, for the U.S. and like the the idea that Clinton is against interfering in anyone uh, blanket is a, a complete fabrication. Uh, of course, the real reason is you know the uh, sorry. We we are going to see in like a cup not that long that the president isn't actually Clinton, despite all of our jokes of this season. Oh, he's not. But okay, I I forgot that part. Don't don't we see the. Pr- don't we see the president in the finale of the season? No, we don't. He's he's not him. there. Uh, he doesn't show up. Ah. There's a bit in season two where they're supposed to meet the president, but some stuff happens and they don't get to. I ah oh, okay. I'm I'm way off then. Just forget the, what I'm saying. I thought the, he got brought up during the during the finale. I here. believe the first time the U.S. president shows up uh, on screen in Stargate is in season eight. Which is uh, two thousand four, five, something like that, and it's like a fictional president that at that point. So I think in the fiction of the Stargate universe, uh, George Bush lost re-election to this guy, and that's when like the the presidents diverge. But up to that point, it's I, real I, I, presidents. I, I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're right. You're right. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm way okay. off here. Sorry. Um. Yeah. No worries. Uh. <laughs> so. Uh. Like Hammond is trying to cover by saying, "Yeah, the U.S. doesn't do stuff like that." But what we, what he really means is, the U.S. government doesn't care enough about Tilk to, to like to like skirt the line of war crimes to to free him. Like they they would they would if there were like economic interests or even maybe if it was a U.S. citizen, a taxpayer, or a voter, or someone who it would be looked bad in the media if we didn't free him. But Tilk like. Tilk's existence is classified. No one even knows he exists. They can, like, they think that... I mean, absolutely nothing the SGC does at this point will look bad in the media. Right, so it's not like, that's that's not a concern. No one will ever know. So they don't care enough to free him is the real thing. Uh, And, like, Hammond kind kind of, like, tips his hand about this because he says Tilk isn't even one of our own. Like, we can't commit resources for that. We We can't commit... Like armed uh, U.S. Air Force uh, soldiers with machine guns on a planet where people are armed with crossbows to go save one guy, which that doesn't seem. Well, I, I say that, but a crossbow will still kill you. We committed. We we committed t- two armed SG teams huh. to go get a back to go after a probe that got broken in the dark. <laughs> That's right. God, uh, probes are expensive. They're the you know. 
very very important stuff uh also like yeah on that planet they didn't know what was on there uh this on this planet on cartago uh they've determined it's just a medieval society so there's no technology there that's of any use to them so they're about ready to ride off that planet basically would would o'neill really need a whole team to to break to look out of that Area? I feel. Just- I feel like they should have. They, they could have fired their guns in the air already, and that might have been enough. I don't know. Um, if they had gone back through the Stargate, just picked up a belt of grenades, I think uh-huh. that would have been enough. Yeah, yeah, very aggressive. But you know, I think like he needs the, the two teams for the part where he has to knock Teal out and drag him. <laughs> that's the part that sounds difficult in all of this. Oh, I um, imagine if if you threw a grenade and they saw like the explosion, they might run for their holes. Uh huh. Yeah, that that might that might also help. Uh, you know, at the risk of getting a crossbow bolt stuck in you if if one of them is jumpy and shoots back. But you know, um, that would suck. To be fair, um, uh, so they say. Yeah, so uh, Carter tries to appeal to Hammond more pragmatically by saying, so Teal has a bunch of intel on the gold that if we let him go, he's not, like, he's that's a resource we're, we're losing also. Uh, but, like, Hammond is still not buying this. Uh, he says... Uh, to, to be fair, Teal's intel thus far basically only comes only comes up, like, just before the episode. Uh-huh, yeah. Every yeah, time. Uh, a couple of times he's helped them by finding a planet and stuff. Uh, he's helped them like translate some stuff that's helped in a couple of times, but that that's pretty much it. It hasn't been that much so far. Um, it's mostly like, oh, you want to shut us down? What if I told you there was an invisible planet <laughs> on the planet? <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, so yeah, Hammond uh, at this point uh, tries to say, you know, these people have maybe have a good point, actually, that you know, Tilk was a war criminal and they are prosecuting him for war crimes, and maybe, like, it's bad if, like, it would be hypocritical of us to go over there and, like, subvert their legal system when they have legitimate grievances. Um, and, like, uh, Jack tries to point out that that's hypocritical because uh, they're the U.S. Army and they've done war crimes and no one is uh, saying they should be put to death for it. Uh, the, 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 the establishment is more than happy to sweep those under the rug. They just not, they're just not going to do it for Teal because uh, he's not one of them. Uh, basically, yeah, that's it for this scene. That, 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 that's all that, that this accomplishes is uh, they, they get stonewalled by Hammond and, and nothing happens. <clears throat> Um, is there even something else? Uh, they, they, uh, Hammond basically says, yeah, uh, go back and get Daniel, I guess, and see if you can resolve this diplomatically, but uh, that's all I can do. He doesn't even say that, he just says right, and he leaves. Uh, and then, like, the camera pans down with those two SG teams that are all geared up and standing standing by in front of the Stargate. Once again, in the blast zone of the Stargate that you shouldn't stand in, but uh, whatever. Man, those guys are. That, that, that's just those guys got just got to be so annoyed. Uh-huh. Yeah, they they got geared up and now are being told to stand down. Uh, it's basically the equivalent of you know you're all the way up in the space shuttle and you or yeah maybe not the space shuttle but you're on a plane on the runway for two hours and then you're told oh it's gonna be delayed or you have to exit the plane or whatever you're not gonna go anywhere. Um, but hey, they get paid anyway. They and they don't have to go to an alien planet yeah. and scare people now. So that's something. Um, anyway, uh, we're back on Cartago now, and a bunch of ladies are uh, are painting Teal, uh, drawing some lines on him. 
Uh, and Daniel asks what's going on, and Teal'c says they're preparing him for his death uh, by doing a... So, is this supposed to be a Cartago thing, or is this a Teal'c asking them to do a job? I don't know. That, that I don't know. I, I get the feeling that this is their traditional thing that they do on this planet, but it doesn't feel like a medieval European uh, custom, the way they're yeah, doing no, it. this aesthetically does not fit with yeah. their whole thing. Yeah, it, it, it aesthetically fits more with Teal'c and, you know, with uh, maybe African... Uh, sorry, uh traditions of getting painted not necessarily for being put to death or whatever it just it calls to mind you know uh all, all kinds of uh traditional uh body paints uh anyway it, they're doing this basically because they they need to do that uh for uh for the ritual before they execute him because that's their culture uh uh, and Teal'c says, after I die, please give my body and the, and the ghoul symbiote to Earth researchers so that they can learn all the stuff they wanted to learn about me this whole time, except they wanted specifically a live one, but I guess the ghoul this might, might still be alive. Um, yeah, it's like, please, please watch, please watch this. You, you don't, don't let it go off so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, get, get, get them a clean one from me, at least, so that my death will have some purpose. Uh, and Daniel says, don't, nope, don't say that. We're going to free you. It's not going to happen. And Teal'c, once again, like, uh, still puts his foot down and says, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. They're going to kill me. And it's right and it's just. And there's no walking away from this. And Daniel says, yeah, okay, I see where you're coming from, but also you're my friend, and I don't want you to die, basically. Um, so we're back on Earth. Uh, I, guess, I guess Hammond, um, yeah, okay, when he left the room earlier, what he was going to do is go in, into his office and call the president directly and ask him to uh, basically change his mind or, like, authorize this rescue. And the president uh, said no, uh, that it wasn't going for it. And Hammond says, you know, I agree with him, so maybe it's not, it's not great to send the guy who already agrees uh, that it, they're doing the right thing to, to try to change the president's mind. I mean, H Hammond, Hammond sucks here, but I do appreciate that it's finally a break from the formula of we want to do a thing. No, you cannot do the thing. But we really want to do the thing. Okay, yeah, no. Thing. Uh, he stands his ground, and they're not going to do the thing. Um, so yeah, he he tells them, "No, don't do this." And uh, so we we cut back to Cartago, and that that's that's actually like a surprise cut at this point because there's been no indication of this. But now the whole place is a smoking wreck. Uh, Several of the little market stalls are on fire. Uh, it's 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 real sad. It's been destroyed, and like uh, Carter and, and O'Neill uh, walk out of the Stargate, and they're like, "Wait, no, what happened here?" Uh, and we wonder this as well because uh, we haven't seen it. But it doesn't take long because they go and take some cover, and we see there's some Jaffa that are uh, dragging, not dragging, but marching some people off towards the Stargate because the Gould have come back. Uh, specifically Apophis's gold, uh, Apophis's Jaffa, uh, Apophis himself. I don't think he's present there because we don't see him. Uh, they go back to the cell and it's open and Teal'c is not it, it, it is not in it. So they're they're like, okay, where where is he? 
and uh, they say, well, the Bursa must have taken him somewhere else, and then the Jaffa attacked, so uh, we need to go around and find him. And <laughs> Sam says, maybe Daniel broke him out. And, and Onyo says, that's good, that's good. Keep those p- positive thoughts coming. Um, they go back up, but then uh, as they're hiding, uh, one of the Jaffa sees their shadows and starts shooting his staff towards them. Um, so they do a little bit, like they, they O'Neill like sneaks up behind this Jaffa who walks over and checks and checks them out, uh, trips him up. They take his staff, uh, and they 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 go back up uh, in cover. So now we see uh, we're inside. The, I think the Korai room where uh, the 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 car t- the Bertha are kneeling down, and Teal'c is also kneeling with Daniel next to them. Uh, he's still got his hands tied behind his back. Uh, and Hanno is talking. He says basically what he thinks is that O'Neill um, has gone back and and uh, told the Gould about what's happening because like his theory is that it was all a trick and these people were with the Gould. And Daniel is like, no, wait, that's not that's bullshit. <laughs> um, no, that's Tilku says, hey, no, that's not what's going on here. The Gould just came. Uh, we have nothing to do with this. Uh, and Hanno says, yeah, but they know all our escape routes now. Uh, so yeah, that sucks. Um, but Daniel says, but yeah, the ghouls, like, they probably figured out you were hiding somewhere. It's not that hard to see, uh, to, 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 to try to surround your village and stop you from escaping. Once you know that people are escaping, it's, it's not, you don't need intel for that. Uh, Hano is angry and not buying it, so he says. I mean, I think there's an additional small implication here. Mm Mm-hmm. We see in a few minutes that the guy leading this is is Shackle. Yeah. Tilk's, it's like, they're not being led by Teal'c, who, you know, didn't want to kill people. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, they're being led by a guy who does. So it's like, they're yeah. like, yeah, we're going to go look for somewhere to hide in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're being led by a Jaffa psycho who wants to kill himself some humans. So uh, it's bad for them. Um, and <laughs> so Hano says, all right. Y'all hide here. I'm gonna go back out with some crossbowed people and try to uh, draw the Jaffa away from here to try to clear you a path for everyone to go and hide in the caves. Uh, and as he's leaving, he like takes up a little kid that's <laughs> that's just there. He tells him, "Hey, listen, kid. Uh, if I die, I want you to remember that I still want this guy to be killed and make sure they kill him." Okay. <laughs> this poor kid just nods. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a lot to put on a child. Come on, um, the ch- and the child does not honor that request. No, he doesn't. But like we're we're gonna see in a minute that uh, like by the time yeah you know we're gonna see how this all resolves. It's it's not it's not gonna be a factor anyway. Um, so uh, Hano and the other uh, the other soldiers. Uh, the, the dudes from the opening with the crossbows just uh, rush out of the, the courtroom, uh, running and yelling to try to attract the attention of the Jaffa. Uh, so the Jaffa turn towards them. Uh, as they do this, we, we see that the, the, the villagers that they were guarding run off uh, behind them. Uh, it all erupts into bad shit because the Jaffa are shooting uh, every which way. Some of the villagers get shot. Uh, and then as they're doing that, we see that O'Neill has one of the staff weapons and he shoot, uh, has shot one of the Jaffa. And Hanno sees this. So he like, he, he, he sees this and kind of like smiles a little bit and nods at O'Neill. And he's like, Oh, okay. I see. 
uh, he he understands <laughs> that, like his assumption about them being on the side of the gold was wrong. So at least, uh, so I guess that that's that that closes that uh, that that loose end, uh, nice and neat. Uh, the <laughs> it's 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 what happens in the last fifteen minutes of this epi- of of any episode really where they 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 start to resolve the plot pretty quickly because uh, like yeah Hano at this point needs a reason to trust these people all of a sudden and he sees that and okay all cool now uh, so we see three Jaffa with by, those Jaffa all have the 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 serpent guard helmet on them so we we can't see their faces so they're entering the courtroom where everyone is still hiding. Uh, and Daniel tries to whisper at Tilk, uh, hide your face, because these Jaffa might know you, and we don't want them to see that you're here. Um, but then, like, the the head Jaffa goes up there and opens his helmet, and he says, Tilk, and we see, that's our buddy Shackle! Shackle is here, everyone! Remember Shackle? The, 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 the asshole Jaffa from the Knox, who was a real pain in the ass? Uh, he's back, everyone! Everyone's favorite Stargate, Stargate characters... Shackle. Um, so uh, after this happens, uh, the the little kid who was yeah okay. So the, what you mentioned about the little kid not honoring that request, he specifically goes against it. Yeah, because <laughs> he he slips Tilk a knife behind his back so that Tilk can cut cut his hands free, um, which which he does. Uh, uh, and then he he tells Daniel to leave, and Daniel and all the humans there. Uh, just leave or are dragged away by the by the Jaffa, and then and then uh, Shackle goes uh, goes up right in front of Teal'c and starts gloating at him and says, "Ah, when I kill you, I'm for sure gonna become Apophis's first prime." Which, by the way, I, I believe in the Nox, I I stated that uh, Shackle was his first prime already, so I guess I was wrong there because he, but like he's I one thought, of the candidates, I guess. I thought you only got the gold ring if you were the first. Yeah, prime, I, I, but apparently I, not. I thought that too. Like the quality of your emblem is depending on your social ranking in the in Jaffa society, so that much is true. So at least like Shackle is of the same caste as Steel, which is like the higher tier of Jaffa. What? There's also like a silver painting and then like a just a plain tattoo. What's important is that he has goals. He has aspirations and he's trying to get yes. there. Oh, Shackle is a career man for sure. <laughs> he he knows what we, he knows what he wants is is to be Apophis's favorite best boy, which I'm sad to report is not going to happen because uh, no! Shackle gets shankled by, by Teal'c. Why did they bother to bring him back if they're just going it's, to immediately kill him? He's, he's on screen for like less than a minute, far less than a minute. It's 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 a matter of seconds between the moment when when we see his face and Tilk just stabbing him dead. Um, uh, uh, so, someone did point it out uh, back when we were uh, watching the Knox that in that episode, uh, Shackle pretends to be dead and then uh, cuts his ropes free with the, his hidden knives and then stabs Tilk in the gut. And now Tilk does the exact same thing uh, back right back at him. And back in the Knox, uh, Shackle said Tilk is the one who taught him to do that. So we see now, yeah, I guess that's that's a Tilk trick because he just did it as well. Um, so there you go. Goodbye, Shackle. Uh, <laughs> you will be missed. <laughs> In memoriam shackle. You'll be missed until we finish recording this episode and forget you existed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, never going to be mentioned again. Uh, Apophis is going to have a different first prime next time we see him. Uh, I don't think he's even going to get named that one. Um, 
But yeah, uh, Teal now ta- has taken up Shackle's uh, staff weapon, and he goes up and shoots uh, the other Jafar uh, to save everyone, and he starts uh, shooting at the other ones. Um, and like he sees that uh, the Jafar are taking the humans hostage, and is uh, one of them is threatening to shoot a crowd of humans, and Teal does like a... a, a <laughs> A fucking diving Superman punch thing from at the top of the steps towards this Jafar. <laughs> it's a really I, cool watch, stunt. Watching this action scene, I, I figured. Out, I think I figured out why they did the body painting. Uh huh. Yeah. You see that he's he's wearing the he has also these bandages or some kind of wrap around his chest where the yes. symbiote is. Yeah, this is too. But also, yeah. So, but also, so you have that plus the body paint. It's an excuse that you could have him do an extended shirtless scene without having to do the Jaffa pouch makeup. Yep, absolutely. That's 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 <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, the bandages are clearly so that they don't have to do the the, the prosthetic of the Jaffa because that would be a pain. But it's it, the the same way that if you've ever watched Prison Break, uh, Whitworth Miller on that show was almost always wearing a long sleeved shirt because you know uh, the the premise of that show is he had the 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 blueprints of the prison tattooed all over his chest and arms so they they didn't want to just make him up making up with those tattoos uh, for every episode so they kept him in a in a long sleeve shirt so in the same way you rarely see Teal shirtless and they did they did put these bandages on his belly to add to hide that um, but yeah uh <laughs> also yeah that's 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 clearly like a stuntman that's doing this dive but it's pretty cool anyway uh he catches the staff blast on his leg as he's doing that dive uh to show that you know so, so that he has less, some kind of wound to show hano in a minute uh to show that he like took took uh took a bullet for to help these people basically um and like as this Jafar is about to shoot Tilk, uh, the uh, O'Neill and Carter and Hano and the crossbow man uh, walk into the room, and uh, Jack just shoots this Jafar with his staff weapon. Um, and then yeah, it's over because I guess that was the last guy that was there. Uh, they they I guess only three Jafar or whatever or four came to this planet. Uh, <laughs> that that was a small uh, reaping party, I guess. Um, so, uh, so now everyone picks themselves up and, uh, uh, Jack and Sam go over to help Till get up and, uh, Till gets up and then, like, you can see him, uh, stumbling, uh, like limping over to Hano with his, uh, staff weapon. And he just hands it to him because he's still willing to be executed for everything. And he says, so, yeah, he, he says, it is midday, so I guess it's time for the execution, and he hands the staff to Hano. And now Hano he, he has a change of heart, and he says, uh, no, now, now that I've seen, uh, I, I can't execute you because the man who killed my father died, and you killed him, and whatever. It's, he's basically saying he's, he's now bought the, the, the argument that uh, Tielk is a different person now that he, than he was then. He's not going to kill him. And uh, that's a happy ending. And I do, I do appreciate that uh, the way they resolve the, the, the moral uh, question in this episode is neither to uh, debate, debate these people to victory and like uh, confront them until you prove them wrong or to, uh, to bust Tielk out by force. It's, you know, it's, it's a very Star Trek third option where 
Tilk is still willing to face the consequence, and he still he he feels genuinely sorry, and he he makes a, a genuine uh, amends and apologies, but he doesn't uh, take it upon himself to uh, forgive himself. Basically, that's still in the hands of Hanno, who's the one who makes the final call that uh, that the punishment is not due in the in the end. So, like. They they don't excuse what Tilk did, but like they 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 have the one character who who can make that call, make that call basically. So it's like it's it's a pretty tidy and neat uh, moral resolution where it doesn't feel like anyone did anything gross to resolve it. So that's that's that's, that's I I almost want to say impressive that like the script is written in this way that you don't think uh, our guys did anything wrong in this episode and you get to come out of it with no one dead. So. Uh, it's a good Star Trek resolution right there, I guess, uh, <laughs> to uh, to give the power to someone else and have them uh, decide of their own free will to forgive instead of uh, of convincing them uh, one way or another to forgive him, which which I guess he did, but he did so by uh, be, being willing to self sacrifice. Um, is there even anything else after this point? This is the last scene of the episode, yeah. Uh, they just go up to Teal, and I'm just trying to see if they say anything. I'm trying to remember which Star Trek episode this reminds me of the most, and it might be the one where mm-hmm. Wesley accidentally uh, like stomps on a flower on a sex planet, yeah. and they, they have to go through yeah. the entire ridiculous trial of an alien uh, legal yep. system. And I'm pretty sure Picard mm-hmm. at the end admits, like, if it didn't go well, we would have just beamed you out. We would have violated that uh-huh. legal system. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's at least honest, <laughs> which is like the, the Star Trek equivalent of what O'Neill wanted to do in this episode. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. I feel like we keep going back to that episode. It, it, it's, 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 it's marked uh, <laughs> the memory of anyone who's, who's watched TNG Season 1. Uh, because I, the premise of that episode is so wild. Like Wesley gets condemned to death by uh, because he trampled some flowers. That's ridiculous, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of weird trial episodes. Yeah, in Trick. I don't remember what the episode "The Drumhead" is about, but uh, like it was about a kangaroo court kind of trial oh, no. that someone was on. That, that episode is is about uh, somebody has is like a quarter Romulan or like an eighth Romulan. And uh, mm-hmm. it's basically paranoia. They're they're deciding they shouldn't be able to, they shouldn't be allowed into Starfleet oh. because of their okay. heritage. Yeah. So it, it's more of a witch hunt kind yeah. of thing in that one. Yeah. Uh, the the measure of a man was like a trial for Data's humanity, but that that was way more philosophical and you know. Uh, <laughs> and then they basically copied that exact episode later in Voyager for the yes. Doctor. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, and they co- they copied this episode later in Stargate also because there's an episode uh, later like in season nine or ten of Stargate SG One where Vala gets uh, put on trial by people on a planet for what she did in her past. So yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a good well to go back to I guess when you're writing sci-fi uh, or any kind of story really. Um, it's like. Fake, tri- fake trials about sci-fi about sci-fi nonsense mm-hmm. certs is good TV. Yeah, it is. Um, so that's it for for Karai. Um, we don't have any questions this week to answer. So, which I, I'm gonna be honest, I, I I'm gonna read out your question post because <laughs> I think that gives us a good reason of why there are no why there are no questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay, let me just pull up the Jeff takes. 
Yeah, I have it right here. Send in questions about kangaroo courts, U.S. foreign policy, generational guilt, and crossbows. <laughs> Maybe that's not... Except for crossbows, that's some real heavy <laughs> shit to just put on people on Twitter. I, I, that's, that's, the, that's the joke I was trying to make, really. It's like, hey, some heavy you shit and also off. crossbows. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I thought it was being funny, but I guess it didn't yield uh, enough questions. I'll try to do better for next episode, which is about... Speaking of Star Trek, the uh, next episode is Enigma, which uh, is the one where we meet the Stargate equivalent of the Federation, basically, more or less, um, and see what it's like to deal with these people from the other side. Uh, it's a pretty fun episode. It's a nice reversal of a typical Star Trek plot. Uh, I hope you'll join us there. Also, the Jigsaw Killer is in, the, is in that one, and it's weird to see him in something else. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, join us next week for that. Um, M, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at M of Healy. And if you want to DM me on tw- Twitter, the DMs are opened. I've, I'm still selling my, my books for five do- for five dollars plus sh- shipping to please get these out of my house. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't go to conventions to sell them, and uh-huh. they are just taking up space. Yeah. Please take take him up on that on this offer. Um, <laughs> uh, Jimmy Dean, any TV shows you want to talk about? Uh, I I've been watching Rings of Power. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it looks pretty. Uh, uh, the, the, they have a big budget on that yeah, show. And, uh, well, it's all on the screen. You can see it all. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's good. I like it. Uh, I I hate. Yeah. be watching the most expensive tv show ever made and be subscribing to jeff bezos service for it but uh it's pretty good uh-huh. sometimes when you do that much uh-huh. money you can get something good <laughs> yeah uh, those shows are pretty like yeah yet you know the boys and the expanse which is over but like uh, other big budget amazon shows that put their money on the screen uh, uh that's all great. Yeah, besides that, uh, I'm just doing a slow rewatch of Castlevania uh, all the way up until Dracula mm-hmm. dies because then I lose interest. <laughs> what? You should watch the rest no, of it. I do like I, it. But... I've seen season three. Yeah. I know where. <laughs> Without my boy uh, Vlad, uh-huh. it kind of drops off interest wise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. Like, season two of Castlevania is definitely the best of the four seasons by far. Uh, there's some interesting stuff later on, um, but yeah, it's not quite the same because they they got over the story of the good Castlevania game and get into the story of the PS2 Castlevania games that nobody has played, and it's like a little more esoteric and a little bit less whips and vampires. Uh, but that's that's cool. Yeah, Castlevania is a great show. Um, as for me, uh, my personal Twitter account is at the real Simben. Uh, the Twitter account for this show is at Jaffa Takes. Uh, follow it to check out the the question post next week, uh, <laughs> which I'll try to word to word more invitingly. <clears throat> you can send an email. I'm losing my voice. I need to to, to close this down. You can send an email to jaffatakespodcast at gmail.com if you want uh, if, if you want another avenue to send a question through. Uh, you can also join uh, the Audio Entropy Discord server and on which there is a Jaffatakes channel to chat on uh, and uh, have all kinds of uh, Stargate discussion uh, uh, unspoiled all the way up to where the podcast is and everything else behind spoiler tags. Uh, 
So join us on there and have some fun. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go drink some water and lay down. <laughs> Uncree.